Thanks for listening to Connection Church's podcast. Today's message is a part of our series, In This House. There are certain things that define every household, things that make them unique, and things that are important to them. A church many times functions the same way. In this series, we are going to look at the things that are important to us here at Connection and what it means to be a part of a church family. How's everybody this morning? Good. Seven of you answered my question. That's good. Um, my name is Joey Fennell. I serve as care pastor here at Connection Church, and um, I love doing what I'm doing with with you as a as a congregation and um, and working alongside you in a lot of different ways. Um, we are uh, well, as you notice, Brand is not here, and we are talking about honor today. And one of the ways that we can honor our pastor is being prayer for them. They are taking a little time away, um, on a little short vacation. Uh, before uh, several of us congregate in the big city of Moultrie on Wednesday, state 10 and under baseball tournament. We won the district. We're on the way to state. So the Little League illustrations will continue to come in the next couple of weeks when Brandon gets back. So just wanted to be prepared for that. I won't steal any from him right now. Um, We want to pray for him, pray for his family. We've been in this um, series in this house, um, in this house talking about our church uh, the big C church, the little C church, how we, um, how we do church and things that are important to us through that. We've ta- talked about the word and how the Bible is important to us. We've talked about uh, worship. We've talked about reaching the lost. We've talked about serving. And today we're going to talk about honor and respect. What does it mean to show honor um, and respect? Now I'm going to concentrate more on the word honor than honor and respect. And sometimes they kind of coincide, but The Bible is fortunately and unfortunately very clear about honor. And we're going to look at a couple of different texts today where Jesus talks about honor and when honor is talked about straight from the mouth of God um, himself through a prophet. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the restoration of the biblical virtue of honor, um, honor from God's perspective. So to start out with, turn with me to the book of Malachi. Malachi. Anybody see that one coming? No, you didn't. If you are new to the Word, new to your Bible, find Matthew, hang a left. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. Um, Real small book in there from um, the prophet writes uh, from the lips of God. Really, really strong and passionate words here from God himself. We're going to look at that. Um, A lot of people um, will have mispronounced Malachi in the past. I had a Sunday school teacher when I was in youth ministry in Macon, Georgia. One of my Sunday school teachers, he was just this hardcore just wonderful guy, but you know, a little red around the edges and uh, a little rough. But uh, he was teaching one day and my pastor's son was in his class and pastor's son came to me afterwards. He said, he said, Joey, you're not going to believe this, but uh, today, so-and-so teacher's name said, he told us to turn to the book of Malachi. And uh, I thought that was awesome. Just an innocent from the mouths of those who are learning that he was a fairly new Christian and doing the best he could. And I always love that story. So Malachi chapter one is where we're going to be. Malachi chapter one, beginning with verse six, a son honors his father and a slave, his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I'm a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord almighty. It is you priests who show contempt for my name, but you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name by offering defiled food on my altar? But you ask, how have we defiled you by saying that the Lord's table is contemptible? 
When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. Now plead with God to be gracious to us with such offerings from your hands. Will he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light unless fires on my altar, useless fires on my altar. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations from where the sun rises to where it sets and every place incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. But you profane it by saying the Lord's table is defiled and its food is contemptible. And you say, what a burden. And you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, lame, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who is an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. And now, you priests, this warning is for you. If you do not listen, and if you do not receive to my resolve to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse on you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I've already cursed them, because you have not resolved to honor me. Let's pray together. God, your word is clear about honor. You have stated in your word that you will not only limit what you do with those who dishonor you, but you will even rain down curses as you did in the Old Testament. God, we pray to have an understanding of what honor is, how you have honored us by sending your son to die for us, and how we should honor and revere you. God, we pray that you'll work in each of our lives to see not only how that goes between us and you, but God, how that permeates our soul to be among all of us, that we honor those around us. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. So God asks the people of Israel through the prophet Malachi, where's the honor? Where is the honor? And God asks that question, that same question to all of us. Where is the honor? We need honor. So yesterday I'm out in the yard trying to do some work, you know, in five minute intervals between thunderstorms. And if your yard is like mine, it's a little damp, right? I mean, even on the hills, there's water standing on hills. I don't even know how that's physically possible, but water is standing on hills. So I'm out there trying to do a few things. And and my dog, Daisy, she's a yellow lab, full of energy. She's been diagnosed with ADD a couple different times. And so she's running around doing her thing. And, and for some, well, she just does this all the time. She found the bucket of baseballs. And usually I have a little bit more patience with this, but for some reason I just didn't have any yesterday. So I see her get the ball and she does as she always does. When I call her name, she goes the other way. And she was running with the baseball and it just got under my skin. I'm out there, I've been trying to pressure wash and I've been moving things around, it's hot. And I had on my Crocs, you know, good hard working shoes in the yard. And she always, when she gets the ball, she will, you know, she kind of looks at me like, 
come and get it. You know, it's kind of the opposite retriever thing. So she takes it from me and wants me to come get it from her. And then we start throwing it. But what she often does is she runs directly to the creek, you know, and I'm thinking I just, in my mind, not being rational, I'm thinking I'm, I'm going in, I'm going to get that ball because I'm determined to get it from her. And we're going to teach her a lesson. So I run to the creek and right when I get almost to the creek, I decide I'm going to put on the brakes and, you know, get to her slowly. Well, your yard's like my yard and crocs and brakes and wetness just does not mix. So I never even really slowed down. When I stopped, I was looking at the heavens and mud had just come over the top of me. It was, I just stood up and there was black stuff. And after that, not a lot honorable went through my mind. It was not a lot of honoring and my dog obviously doesn't know English. So thankfully she didn't understand some of the things that were coming out towards her because of course it was her fault that I fell down and I had no responsibility in it whatsoever. But there was not a lot honoring about that situation. Let's look at our television. You know, here comes the soapbox. Not a lot honoring on television. I mean, you have men who are berated by their wives or torn down. You know, men are like the, the fathers on television are like the stupid idiots on TV. Children disrespect them. And men are, are looking at wives, are looking at other women lustfully on television. And that's all on the Disney Channel, right? And, you know, if you go into regular television... And we've made rules about certain shows, even on the Disney Channel, that are just totally disrespectful and totally not honoring to the family. Children, where is the honor as you live under the direction of your parents? My children, thankfully, they say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. And sometimes no, ma'am, and no, sir, but very seldom do they use no. Um, That was a joke. Sorry. Uh, But it's not just, you know, people say, well, that's just a southern thing. But just say, no, ma'am, no, sir. No, I, I think it's an awesome thing that we should instill in our kids to be respectful. Another thing, we just celebrated the 4th of July, and there's a lot honoring that goes on into patriotism. And I love patriotism. I, I grew up with a, a dad who was in the military. My father-in-law was in the military. Been around it all of my life and, and have always just gotten into, you know, anytime the national anthem is playing, I, I am up hand across the heart. I'm going to show respect. And I can't stand those people who do not. Also a NASCAR fan, a couple of Patriot people at the NASCAR races, you know, a little bit of patriotism when people like paint the American flag on them permanently, um, that sort of thing. And, um, you know, just, just a lot of patriotism, just love their country, love their cars, love their drivers. So I go to the races every year in Atlanta and I have these great tickets from a friend of mine who I buy them from and 21 rows up right behind the flag, right behind the start finish line. Really good seat. So we're all standing there with our, you know, 100,000 of my best redneck friends in the country. And we're all standing there and standing for the national anthem, have the prayer, the national anthem begins. And I see this guy who has already participated in a lot of pre-race festivities, if you know what I mean. And he's already shirtless and um, not really sure as to where what race he's at, I don't think, but he's just kind of looking around and, and starts yelling during the national anthem. Well, a lot of people don't really take to that too well at a NASCAR race, and, and a few of them are kind of yelling and yelling. He's kind of just jawing back and kind of stumbling around. And this dude right behind him just reaches up and decks him. He just goes out like a light. There was more applause for that than the flyover, you know? And inside of me, I'm like, 
yes, that was awesome. Man, I wish I could have done that. Wasn't all that honorable, but, you know, I kind of waited as, well, he was dishonorable first, so it's okay to deck him and knock him out. But if, you know, I'm really, I just really believe in our country. I believe in our military. I believe in the sacrifices that we make. And I believe strongly if you don't like the country or if you feel like you need to dishonor the country, then there are planes and buses and boats leaving every day that you're welcome to go on. Find a country you do believe in. Find a country that you can honor because I think it's very important for us to honor the country we live in because then everything else permeates from that as well. If we honor our country, it goes right into our homes. But do you agree with me today that we need to bring honor back? Do you agree that we need honor? Do you agree that we need honor in our marriages and our schools and our businesses? All throughout our churches, we need honor. Well, to honor means to value. It means to have worth or to have weight, to have value, to have worth, to have weight. And it's all throughout the pages of the Bible. In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, Paul says, honor each other above yourself. It's pretty plain and simple. Honor each other above yourself. First Timothy 6, 1 says, slaves, honor your masters. And that's not because they are honorable, but for the sense of who God is. It's a sense of position. First Peter 3, 7, husbands, show honor to your wives. No high-pitched amens there. I thought we'd have a few. You didn't want to speak too quickly because Ephesians 5.33, wives must respect your husbands. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, honor your father and mother that it may go well with you so you live long on this earth, children. I always interpreted that verse as if I didn't do that, then I would be killed by my parents because I wouldn't live long on this earth. Verse 4 says, fathers, do not exacerbate your children. It goes in all directions because of who God is. We honor those above us. We honor those below us. We honor those beside us. It's in all directions, not just one direction. You going to get amen for one direction? Come on. Where are you at, teenagers? All right. I'd just work that in there. All right. Dishonor. The opposite of honor. Dishonor. It means to treat something as common or ordinary. And the people that Malachi is writing to, they're not blatantly dishonoring God here in the text. They're not seeing something as valuable anymore. It's not important to them. They're taking for granted what they have known for a long time. They've become familiar. They're bringing these animals to sacrifice and they are second rate animals. God even says in the text, he says, you have this perfect male and you choose this one who is blemished to bring into my house. How often do we bring secondhand attitudes into worship? How often do we sit in here or we even serve in capacities where, well, you know, I, I would, I try to help this person out. I'll give them something, but I'll just give them a little something. I remember a, a retreat that I was on in Atlanta, Georgia. I'll never forget this event. And I was young and, and, um, and I watched this guy speaking one night. And, and it was all about this, um, you know, I, wanna, I want us to give and I want us to help this community out. And he got the crowd riled up. And throughout this worship service, everybody in there began to take their shoes off and put them at the altar to give to this community who needed shoes. And that night, the pastor, he had this shirt in his hand. He said, I'm going to give this shirt because I want somebody to have it. 
And the very next night he came back and he was speaking again and he said, last night I did something that was dishonorable to God. He said, I brought something that I could do without. And then, and I don't know if this was planned or whatever because it had an impact on me. I was crying like a little girl in there after he did it. But he was, not that little girls cry, but they sometimes do. So he stands up there and he says, the shirt that I gave was something that I just didn't really care about. So he begins to take off the shirt he's wearing as he's preaching. He said, this is my favorite shirt and this is the one I need to give. And that's what God's talking about here. He was saying that you were giving secondhand stuff to me. You don't take me seriously anymore. You've become familiar with it. Those of us who've been married for any length of time, we understand this. Any married longers here? That would be, let's go with 10. 10 years. 10 years longer. Yeah, we've got a, a few in here. So those of us who've been married for any length of time understand this. When our wives look at us and say, I really need to talk to you. Men, what, you know, what do you do? The fog begins to descend over your eyes. You freak out totally. You're thinking, oh my gosh, I can't concentrate like that. I can't listen. It takes so much energy. You even try to get the remote to work on her, right? You're like, pause, volume, something. I just need to get this to change. Men, you come in the house and so desperately are wanting that high school marching band to be playing because you're entering into the home. You want to be welcomed and nobody even notices that you got there. Children, you become so familiar with your parents as you get older, you become comfortable with them and you stretch it out a little bit more, a little bit disrespect here, a little bit there, mouth off here, roll eyes there. Love that, don't you? And it gets worse and worse and worse if it's not kept in check because we are familiar with our surroundings. So after being acquainted with someone brings about familiarity and familiarity kills honor like no one's business. It kills it. Dishonor doesn't mean you cuss someone out or treat someone negatively. It may be what you don't do. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. So honor elevates, dishonor decimates. Honor elevates and dishonor decimates. I'm going to give you two points today. And um, we're going to work through these and uh, give some, some ideas about um, why they are what they are. So the first point that I want you to write down, if you're taking notes... The value you give something dictates your honor of it. The value you give something dictates your honor of it. In my office, there's a stack of about four Bibles on top of my bookcase. And they are tattered. They are beat up. They are old. They're like flaking off. And there are a lot of papers like shoved into them. And there's not really any order to it. And they're, they're like brown paper and it's just, it just looks old. And it kind of looks like, you know, who left that there in 1941 and why is it still there? It just looks useless. And looking at it without understanding and knowing the story, you would say it has no value. You know, I wouldn't give you anything for that. But if you understand what they mean to me, my grandfather was a preacher and preached for decades and he died when I was three years old, so I never really knew my grandfather. And because of this, I've looked for ways to try to get to know him. And when I got ordained as a minister, um, my uh, parents gave me the Bible that he preached with, which is really cool. And that's one of the Bibles on there. And then when my grandmother passed away, she passed on the rest of this stack. 
And it's every sermon he ever preached that he typed on a manual typewriter. All of his notes, all of his thoughts, all of his ideas as he was preparing sermons, they are priceless to me. I love every now and then just opening it up and just flipping. And and God just speaks to me through those words so many times. And I feel like I have a connection with him now that, you know, he has gone on. But those are valuable to me. And nothing changed about those objects. Nothing at all changed. But our perception does change because we understand that there's value to it. Every day we see people who may be considered ordinary. Ordinary to each of us. Ordinary folks. But we dishonor them in the way we speak to them or the way we treat them. I've told you many times that I have anger issues with driving. I'm working on it. Trying my best to work on it. But I pretty much think that everybody else is stupid when they drive. And I, I try not to think that so much, but people just do some idiotic things. We were driving yesterday, and, and, I, and I, we'd come up to a red light, and this lady, who's probably, like a, she's like 112, it looked like, and she's texting. I was like, it's not just the teenagers. That's what my wife said, and I thought that was hilarious. I'm like, man, it's got to be hard enough to drive at that age, but to have that phone, and it was a flip phone, I might add, but she was texting, so she was having to hit all of them like several times, you know, to get to that letter she was getting to. It's like, man, she's having to really work, so we, you know, pulled over and had a picnic until she left. Um, She was doing pretty good. A couple of weeks, or last week, I was in the Bahamas with a, a group out of Columbus who was um, building a house down there, and they didn't have anybody to lead their construction, and they went with their fourth or fifth best thought and called me, and I led them down there to build this house, and on our way back, we, we take this uh, thing called the Fast Ferry that goes from Fort Lauderdale to Grand Bahama, and we were boarding it in Grand Bahama, and in the terminal there, you go and you get your ticket, your boarding pass, and then you go back and sit down and wait until they call you up to get in line. So they called everybody to get in line. There's these queue lines, and I'm standing right at the last queue line. It just stops right there. The ropes are around there, and there's nothing behind me. Well, the crowd had formed, and the, the crowd had formed all the way around this area. So um, there were still some people kind of lingering. They'd come in the door right here and look at the end of the queue line thinking they could merge, you know. And... Um, so people were going up to get their boarding pass. They would come back down this side, and this lady gets right here by me, and she's about to merge in. And you know, it's not a really comfortable place. I'm not one to really say anything. I just preach about it afterwards. So I don't say anything like during that, but it's a great illustration for after. So I'm standing there, and I'm just trying to like move over, like box her out a little bit, and, and even move my suitcase over a little bit. You're like, and it's so obvious that I'm doing this to this woman, and this little girl in front of me turns around and she says, ma'am, the the back of the line is around there if you don't mind getting to the back of the line. I was like, well, that was honorable. Didn't even cross my mind to use words. You know, I thought it would be, I just thought she would get it, you know, once I stepped on her child and moved her out of the way, but she obviously didn't. But this girl was honorable in the way she handled it. That woman was not honoring me by trying to cut though. So if we were to read the words that that God wrote, that explains the value of every human being, that describes the value of every soul, even from Genesis verse 26 in chapter 1, that man was made in the image of God, the way that God looks at us. Every person that Christ died to save, that we would see that. We would see that we should honor those around us because of the value that God places on us. 
The song we just sang, Oh, How He Loves You and Me, Oh, How He Loves Me, oh my gosh, that is just a, a powerful song that resonates on how much God loves us. Over and over and over again, He shows us. Your wife is not just a common object to become familiar with and take for granted. She's full of potential, she's full of value. You would honor your children and mother and people that God has placed around you. You would begin to embrace and experience everyone in a new way. Everyone. We protect the things that we honor, don't we? Don't we protect those things? I believe in gun control. That may offend some of you, but I, if you come into my house and try to hurt my family, I have a gun and I will control you. That, that's my definition of gun control. And, and I believe very strongly in it because I love my family. I protect my family. I feel like I'm called to do that. And you're not going to take advantage of my family. No one is. I protect the things that I value. We protect the things that we value. What if we began to prioritize and protect the relationships around us and truly gave them the value they deserve? How different would it look? The second point is flipping the first point. So bear with me. I'm not just getting my tongue tied. The amount of honor you give dictates the amount of value that is perceived. The amount of honor you give dictates the amount of value that is perceived. It's not the same, so you can look back at point one and go, okay, there are a couple words different. It is just the reverse. God is frustrated with the people here. He is frustrated as he's speaking to Malachi to speak to his people. God's blessings are limited here because he wants to bring about hope. He wants to bring about change to the people, but there is no honor. And where there is no honor, there are limited blessings. He says it straightforward. The level of value that you receive in any relationship, especially in your relationship with God, is determined by the amount of honor you give. When you, fall, when you fail to honor something, you miss out on the blessings that come from it. Have you ever missed an opportunity? We can all admit to that. Have you ever missed a birthday, an anniversary? Who got nudged? No, I'm just kidding. All of us have forgotten something. Have you ever overslept for something? Oh, it's just an awful feeling, isn't it? When I was doing youth ministry, before every single big retreat we would go on, I'd have two different dreams before every one of them. It is awful. First one I would dream is that the bus crashed and went off the mountain. Every time. Every time. The second one is that I overslept and everybody was at the church waiting on me. Awful, awful feeling. So I was well rested, ready for those retreats when I got there. It's like a flipping basket case once I got to the church. You know, like, whoa! You know, but never happened, never lost a bus, never lost a kid. Well, maybe one, but he didn't count. Um, <laughs> nobody liked him. No, I'm kidding. Um, we, we, we get into these situations, we put ourselves in these situations sometimes when we miss out on opportunities. And the thing is, if you miss something like that, if you miss a birthday, miss an anniversary, what can you do to make up for that? Nothing, right? Amen, man. Nothing, right? Flowers, they're not going to really help. They're going to die too, and then there's another reminder you forgot. It's just, it just doesn't go well, okay? But not only does that person get hurt, but it hurts us as individuals. It hurts us because we have missed out on the blessing. We've missed out on something good. 
Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13, if you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 13, beginning with verse 53, Jesus is talking here uh, to his disciples and, and, and sharing, and he's been on the move, and, and now he's come back to his hometown. And he says here in 13, uh, Matthew 13, beginning with verse 53, when Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. Wait a minute. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. Verse 58, and he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Why did he not do miracles? Because of their lack of honor and faith. Even Jesus, the son of God in bodily form, was limited by what he could do, even with the people he loved, because of their lack of faith and lack of honor. Sadly, this is what happens in churches. We're showing up to church, but not putting much weight, value, and honor on the experience. After the 9 o'clock service, someone came up to me and said, I was reading an article this past week about honor, and it was about a man who Um, was in the mission field and he went to preach at someone else's church in the mission field in a foreign country and he said before I went up to preach the 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 resident pastor stopped me and he said before you go up to the go up to preach please take off your shoes it's like what he said we consider this holy ground please take off your shoes how many times have we even contemplated coming into the Statesboro High School auditorium and looked at it as holy ground. I know if I took off my shoes and came up here, I'd start getting emails about disrespect rather than respect and honor. But how do we look at coming to church? Church people go to churches every single week waiting for God to do something for them. There's little preparation for going to church. What'd you do today to prepare for worship? And most people fight on the way to church. You know, it's what I hear in my office. Some of the worst fights in a family happen on the way to church. You know, the, the one who likes to be on time is in the car waiting. Blood pressure's rising. The last person, usually the wife, comes out, gets in the car because she's had to do everything to get ready to go. If you would help me out here, I wouldn't be having to be late. You know, those types of conversations go. I've just heard these in my office. This has not happened at my house. Um, ever, ever. So then you commence to driving and there's, there's that awkward silence. Everybody's just kind of miffed, you know. You get here in the parking lot. There's been a few words here and there and you get out and everybody does the same thing. Hey, good morning. It's good to see you. You're just so happy and so fake that it's hard to even deal with, right? But that's what goes on a lot of the times. We don't expect something to happen. Or we come in here and we have that bless me if you can attitude. Sit here almost smugly going, yeah, I've had a long week. 
you better do a good job and good luck. Bless me if you can, big guy. And that's the attitude we bring into worship sometimes. And I'm not talking about just Connection Church. This goes across the board. Some of you even checked out when I walked down the stage and said, man, Brandon's not preaching again. Jeez, what's this idiot doing? That was it. You checked out. But if you come here to listen to a person, if you come here expecting to get something from somebody, instead of coming in here expecting something from God, then you're approaching idolatry. You come in here to listen to a man or a woman or anybody else who's speaking, singing, doing anything. That's idolatry. You come in here expecting God to do something, and you prepare yourself for it. Now, I'm fixing to stop preaching and go to meddling for just a minute, so bear with me. Because, you know, when people complain, they send letters to the head coach, not the assistant coach. So, in a few weeks, in a few weeks, a lot of us are going to begin the process of preparation. Okay? We're going to prepare. And some of us are going to start on Wednesday, maybe even Tuesday, maybe even the week before. We're going to start that process of getting ready to tailgate at Paulson Stadium. Right? You're going to start... You're going to start getting all that stuff together. You're going to pull that grill out. It probably needs to be pressure washed and and spray painted and sandblasted and all this kind of stuff. You're going to get it shined up, ready to go. You can get that trailer hooked up and get all your stuff right, your flags ironed, all that kind of stuff. You're going to get ready. And that's on Monday. Tuesday, you're going to start packing some things, neglecting your family, be out at like 10 or 11 o'clock at night, getting all your stuff together. And we do this and we do all this preparation for this temporary earthly event and on top of that georgia southern fans the season doesn't even matter right georgia southern fans know what i'm talking about we can't win anything this year right this is kind of a dead season so we're moving into a new conference now some of you just checked out because i just blasphemed georgia southern football right i'm a huge georgia southern fan i i went to school there i got all my learning from there all right I love Georgia Southern. I love the football program. I support it. I try to do as much as I can. I support Statesboro High School football a lot more, so I don't do a lot of Georgia Southern football because by Saturday I'm a little tired of it. But when I go, I love to go. But it's still something that gives a great example of how much energy and how much time and how much money we put in to the preparation of it. There are also those of you who are sitting here this morning and you're thinking, you're going through that Longhorns menu in your mind already. You checked out a little while ago going, God, strawberry salad or I want that steak today. I'm not really sure. Wish you just shut up so I could go order. And then there are those of you, thankfully, even though Brandon is not preaching, you decided, hopefully even early in the week, that you were going to receive something. So you prepared. You prepared for this morning. You prayed. And you participated. You opened up the word of God. You took notes. You sang your guts out earlier because you expected to be loved on by God. The ones who are most expectant are always the ones who've been in church the longest. A lot of times they're just new Christians because those of us who have been around it a lot, we've become so familiar with it. We've become acquainted with it that we just forget about it. We've fallen asleep on the job, a lot of us, just to get through the day. Oh, yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, he's told that story before. Whatever. I didn't get much out of it. I hope he's not long-winded. But he better be deep enough. He better be funny. 
And then you say when you walk out, I just didn't get much out of that. Well, you didn't put anything into it either. God is not sitting on his throne going, man, I hope a lot of people come today because I want to throw down some spiritual blessings on them for just sitting there like a sponge. God expects us to worship him. And that doesn't mean we sit as some type of audience for him. God is our audience. God is our audience as we come together as the body of Christ and we worship God. He becomes the congregation. We become one body that worships him. Now I'm really going to step in a hornet's nest here, but like I said, call Brandon. But I feel like God's telling me to say this. And it happens not just in Connection Church, but it happens in all churches that I've ever served in and ever attended. But at the end of almost every service here at Connection, at the end of every service, we invite you. We invite you to make decisions. And we pause for God to stir something in our hearts. And that's an opportunity for God to speak. And week after week after week during that time, people get up and leave. Just walk out. Walk out during that time, whether it's to go eat, to do whatever, get the roast out of it. I don't know. I don't know why you leave. But it happens week after week after week. If we're expecting God to do something, then why would we leave when he's doing it? Why would we walk out on God? I hope God moves for those other people today. I got to go. Even if we're the holy, holiest person, even if we're all Christianed up, which none of us are, if we just get honest, we should be on our faces showing honor to the person preaching his tail off, which I try to. I know Brandon does. I know John does. I know Billy does. Everybody up here puts a lot into what we're trying to say because we want everybody to get it. But we honor the person who's preaching. We honor the people who are burdened by life. And most of all, we honor God by getting on our faces and saying, I want something to happen to here today. It takes all of us to do that. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. When I hear people say that that sermon was so good, man, I enjoyed that. The worship was awesome. It wasn't any different than last week. You just prepared better. You listened better. You participated. Let's show some honor. There was a man in my office a while back, and he made the statement to me I've heard a lot of times, and he said, you know, I think I'm going to stay with my wife for the sake of the kids. And at one time, early in my career, I thought that was an honorable statement. But the longer I do this, now when I say, well, that's honorable, here's a little hint of sarcasm when I say it now. Now, it's hard to believe, those of you who know me, God gave me the gift of sarcasm. It's a spiritual gift. Um, but I, I say that with sarcasm because it's, it's such an untrue statement. He goes on to say that he loathes his wife and can't stand to be around her. So instead of punching him in the face, I therapeutically asked him a question. I said, what's that about? Well, she's nagged and moaned and bleeped at me for 20 years, and I've just let it go on, and I'm sick of it. So I let that settle for a minute. I said, well, how do you honor her? He looked at me like I had just grown an extra head. I said, what? I said, do you value her? 
And I ask you this question as I ask him, what is the most valuable possession that you have? What is the thing that you love the most? And if it's something worldly, that's good. That's the point, all right? Something that you care for and you love and you protect. You may wash it and wax it a lot. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. There may be other things that you just have that are special to you, that you take care of and you show value and you show honor. What if this man did this for his wife? What if you wives valued your husbands more than your own life and cared for every need that he has? Men, what if we cared for our wives, not as a possession, but as something God has given to us as a gift from God? Children, what if you honored your father and mother and gave them the respect for the position that they hold? There are so many people that we honor in our lives and need to honor in our lives, but we fail to do it. Honor is about what you decide, not what they deserve. I'd do it if they deserved it. I'd honor my wife, my husband, my boss, my children if they were honorable. But guess what? Guess what? You weren't either. You weren't honorable either. I wasn't honorable. But God, the creator of the universe, the one who spun all this into what it is, who made us in his image, said, y'all aren't getting it right. I've got a choice. I could flood this thing again, blow it up and start over. I could do a lot of things because I am God. But you know what? I think I'm going to send my son to die for you and save you in your dishonor. We were not worthy of any of it. And God did that for us. Can't we show that to the ones around us? When we honor someone based on what they have done, it can lead to idolatry. When we dishonor someone, it can lead to sin. Many years ago, I was at a church and things were not going well and things were changing and I knew that God was calling me away. And throughout that time, there were people in the church that were very disheartened by the pastor and some things that had happened. And there were people that came and talked to me and, and would say things and, and knew that I was probably leaving as well, but kind of wanted to bring me into their fold of, uh, you, you need to say some things about this. You need to do some things. And the more meetings that I had, it led to being dishonorable. And thankfully, I had a good pastor friend who kind of took me under his wing and he said, you know, if you're choosing to leave and you know God's calling you away, you need to do it with honesty and integrity and honor. And those two words, honor and integrity, really, really stuck with me. What does that look like? He said, when you walk out of that door on your last day, people need to look back for decades to tell the story of how you left, not what you did while you were here. That meant a lot to me. It made a huge difference in what I chose to do and how I left that place. You know, there are things that happen even around here, things that I went through as a minister, things that I know that Brandon goes through as a, as a, as a pastor, that at times we get these anonymous letters you know, don't take it personally letters. It's the heading. But I just need to say something. Not signed. 
That same pastor told me, he said, if you ever get an anonymous letter, don't read it. Just tear it up and throw it away. You know, it kind of gets the best of you sometimes. You kind of want to know what it says. It doesn't work out. If you've got something that you need to say or you feel like God's leading you to say, have the courage and the guts to do that in person. If you need to write an email or you need to do something like that, put your name on it. Because if God has put it on your heart, then I think that we can acknowledge that. I learned through that that I'm not responsible for someone's leadership, but I'm held accountable for my honor. I'm not responsible for anyone's leadership. That goes from the highest places, the president of the United States, and we could all have opinions about that, right? For any president. You can get all kind of details going on with that. But I'm not responsible for his leadership, but I'm responsible and held accountable for my honor to that position in that office. And that goes all the way across the board, above, below, and beside. We need to show honor in every direction. As long as you're in a place of service, you show honor. As long as you are in your family and they are intact, you honor your family. You honor your husband. You honor your children. You honor your parents. You honor those below you. You honor those beside you and you honor those above you. Honor. Bow your heads with me this morning. If God's spoken to you today and you want to live a life of honor, pray this prayer with me this morning. God, forgive me where I have not shown honor to those around me. And God, give me the courage, the strength, and the endurance to show honor to the people I come into contact with. God deserves the honor and the glory. God, use this church to be honorable. I pray that as we leave this place today, as we walk out of these doors that we, and go into restaurants and go into our homes, I pray that you will be honoring, that you tip well, that you honor your waiters and waitresses as you converse with them. Be the hands and feet of Christ. As you go into your houses this afternoon, your homes and other places that you may go, honor those around you. Maybe God spoke to you in some way today. Our prayer team is always available. They'll be to my left, to your right. If you want to talk to them a little bit more. But as we leave, one of the most honorable things that we can do in an act of worship today is give our offering, not to support Connection Church, but to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, and offer what God has given to us with our monies and the things that he's blessed us with. We give those as an act of worship and an honor for God. And it's an honor to be able to be free in a place to do that. God, we thank you and we love you. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.